Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. If you fall, if you do wrong, you know, just like in the Lord's Prayer, you know, He said, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. He already has paid for that sin 2,000 years ago, which means He already knows the ones you haven't even done yet, and He paid for those too so that we won't stay disconnected from the very source of love and life and the meeting of our deepest longings and the leading us on this healing journey, this adventure of life. There's nothing better. And all you have to do is stay connected to Him. The fruit happens naturally. That's Pastor John Burke, and he's with us today on Focus on the Family. Thanks for joining us. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, these can be tough questions, but do you know someone who's 100% in tune with God? Now, this is a tough question. (laughs) Uh, I'd have to say I know people, I've known people who are really close to and they hear God a lot. I've never known anybody that's 100% in touch with God. It's kind of like who got a perfect score on the SAT. Yeah. But, you know, hey, First Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 tells us, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And uh, mm. what a great reminder. And it does get difficult. I got to admit that. We get into squabbles maybe with our spouse, our kids. Things chew at us to where... Did we really get an A-plus in how we reflect God's character? Mm. (laughs) Maybe not always, but the good news is uh, he makes a way for us to repent, to try again and do over those things that we don't do so well the first time. Today, we're going to give you a clear picture of what it looks like uh, to do life with God, to challenge yourself actually to deepen that relationship with the Lord so that more often than not, you're responding exactly the way you should. I like the way you put that. And John Burke is the right man to help us unpack Mm -hmm. this. Uh, He's the pastor and founder of Gateway Church in Austin, Texas. Uh, He's married to Kathy. They have an adult son and an adult daughter. And He's the author of a number of books. Uh, One that we're going to be talking about today is called Soul Revolution, How Imperfect People Become All God Intended. And we have that here at the ministry. Uh, Stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast or call 1-800-the-letter-A-in-the-word-family. John, welcome back to Focus. Oh, thanks for having me back, Jim. <laughs> so good to have you. In from Austin. In from Austin. Hey, listen, uh, obviously, uh, you're a pastor, but there was a time, maybe even when you were a pastor, which is probably the core of my question, but there was that time when you really struggled with God over trusting Him. I think that's every believer's challenge. I mean, Lord, seriously? There was a time? Yeah. If (laughs) then, those kind of questions, if you're so good, then why is this happening to me? And yeah, I I love that refreshing idea that even pastors uh, have that challenge sometimes too, even though they know the word really well. So what was the battle for you in trusting God? Well, there hasn't been one. (laughs) They, you know. I appreciate that. No, I really, I really do think, you know, God is trying to peel us like an onion down to the core of who we are and who he is. Why is that? What is his goal in that? Well, I think it gets to what he really wants. But I think part of getting to that, he doesn't force us. He leads us Mm. gently, Mm. sometimes not so gently. And so my first disappointment, you know, I was not necessarily, I wasn't a believer. Um, I was an engineer uh, before I became a pastor. But my dad died of cancer, 
And I remember standing at his gravesite and looking at, you know, these two dates separated by a dash. Mm -hmm. And I was just looking at them and I was thinking about how life gets summed up in two dates and a dash. You know, when we're born, when we die, and and yet there's this dash in between. Yeah. And what's the dash for, right? Yeah. What are we going to make of the dash? What's it really about? And as I was standing there just thinking about that, you know, my dad had um, kind of defined success the way everybody defines success in our culture. You know, you make a lot of money, you have a great family, uh, you know, take great va vacations and, you know, you're independent, financially well off and all that. And yet on his deathbed, he had said something to me. He said, John, I'd give it all back if I could just have my health and my family. Wow. And that marked me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I stood there thinking about that and it actually led me on a journey coming to faith in Jesus. Yeah, I mean, that's really good. Let, let me pull you back a bit, because in the book, you also mentioned uh, an experience with your dad about building a train, I think, when you were a boy. And that had a good analogy for you. You learned something out of that. Mm -hmm. I don't know why you took so long to come to Christ, John, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what was that analogy with the train set mm -hmm. and building it? Yeah, when I was, you know, I don't know, maybe eight, ten, uh, my dad got one of those HO train yep. sets. You remember those, mm -hmm. the, you know, electric trains. And But we decided to build a, a Colorado-like landscape, Pikes Peak, you know. Beautiful. And the, we did. <laughs> and, you know, so we paper macheed, we sculpted wow. it, we laid out the track. It went through mountains and tunnels and towns and all this. And it was amazing. It took us, you know, I don't know, five months probably to build wow. it. Yeah. And it was awesome. And when it was done, we high-fived and, you know, we turned it on and it went around and it was amazing. But after about a month of watching the train go around and around, it started to lose its interest. And what I realized looking back is that it wasn't just the train moving and going around that was so wonderful about that. It was me and my dad doing it together. Uh-huh. Sure. It was us making it together. The point for us is that there are a lot of dreams we have. There are a lot of hopes. There are a lot of ambitions. They're not bad. They're not necessarily bad. In fact, many of them are good. But many of them are like a finger pointing somewhere. And I believe where it's pointing is relationship. Without the relationship, first with God... And then with others, all those other things, they lose their meaning. They're just a train going around and around. Yeah. So that's one of the things I talk about in Soul Revolution. We all have deep longings. They're good. I think they're from God. But sometimes we have shallow strategies. Huh. In other words, we don't really understand how are these deepest longings going to be met. But what if you have all those, but you still don't have contentment? Right. So our deepest longings, when we start to drill down... Mm -hmm. They're spiritual. Right. They're what God promises by his spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, those kinds of things. And our deepest longings only get met when we understand what God's deepest longing is too. And God's want, God's dream is for intimate relationship with you. Let, let with me, me. Yeah, let me get into that a little bit, because in the book you talk about God's longings. I don't know that I've ever thought of that, mm. other than God loves us, and God built us for a relationship with him. and But I didn't carry it to the next conclusion, which is, why did he do that? Yeah. And that's your point. 
Well, and if you think about it, you know, if his main desire was to get people to do right and quit doing wrong, if he's God, couldn't he make us? Couldn't he force us to stop doing wrong right, and do right? Right. He could. So why doesn't he? Well, because there must be something deeper he wants. He allows free will even against his will. Why? Well, because you can't have love without free will. You can't. Exactly right. I mean, let's say, let's say you fall in love with some person, right? Mm-hmm. And you want them to love you back. You could shower them with gifts, right? With good things. But they might love the gifts, but not so much you still, right? So you can't actually buy real love. You could try to force them. I guess you could put a gun to their head and say, marry me or love me. or, And they might, out of fear, parrot it. But we would all know that's not love. Love must be free. That's true for God as well. And so that explains a lot of why God allows the things he allows in this world and even uses our disappointments to show us what it is deep down we really are longing for as well. No, that is so good. You you know, it's interesting, though, because we typically in the church will lean toward living a life that's more perfect, that is, you know, sinless, because it's pretty obvious in Scripture that's the goal. But the irony of ironies is the Lord is saying everything that you've just said, that, you know, you're going to learn more about me through those valleys that you go through, sinful valleys, right? Mm. Well, And, and we don't really, we don't understand that I think as well as we should that God we're not sure we tend to think of God as like a grandfather who's shocked at our behavior that would have never thought that you could do that yeah but he knows everything he knows how we behave as human beings sinful human beings nothing is going to shock him and the other incredibly freeing truth is that the life God wants with us is so simple it's so simple it really is (laughs) And we don't have to work real hard. We don't have to try real hard. You know, when, when my dad said that on his deathbed, yeah. the reason it struck me is because what someone says as their last words is what, you know, it's that, pointed. that's the salient point of life to yeah. them, right? Well, you know, Jesus did the same thing. He told us what matters most. And it's one thing. There's only one thing you have to do as a Christian. Listen up. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but think about it. When Mary and Martha uh, were preparing dinner for Jesus and the disciples, remember? Mm-hmm. You know, and Martha's busy, busy, and she's frustrated with Mary sitting there listening to Jesus. And Jesus says to her, Martha, you're working so hard. You're so stressed out. There's only one thing necessary. And Mary's chosen it. Okay, so just pause. Like one, only one thing is necessary? Well, we better figure out what that one thing is <laughs> right. and focus on that. And that is the same thing Jesus was saying his last night on earth. So he knows he's going to leave. He's trying to get it across to them. John chapter 15, he says, look, I am the vine. You are the branches. And, and I believe they're actually going from the upper room down to the Garden of Gethsemane. He, I think he, they were going through mm-hmm. the vineyard. He picks up a branch and he goes, let me just stick it in your head, guys. It's this simple. A branch doesn't have to work hard to produce fruit. All it has to do is stay connected to the trunk, the vine, and fruit happens naturally. Mm. I'm the vine, you're the branches, stay connected to me and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do 
Nothing. Some good things. <laughs> no. <laughs> you can build big businesses. You can have great families. You can do this and that, but nothing that he intended. Nothing that gets at the deepest longings. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So this would be the one thing. That's the whole point that I'm trying to get across in Soul Revolution. Mm. That actually... All we have to do is learn to stay connected moment by moment to God's spirit and the rest of the things take care of themselves. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. They're getting bombarded from so many different directions that I would rather have them doing something in a faith-based background. Values you can trust for your children. And this is just reinforces what they're learning at church and makes things, I think, where they're going to grow up in the right way. Get Focus on the Family Clubhouse and Focus on the Family Clubhouse Junior Magazines at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Club Radio. In light of the Supreme Court's recent decision on abortion, are you ready for what comes next? And how should we respond as emotions run high? As Christians, we need to be ready, and Focus on the Family can help you prepare. Join us every Monday to hear inspiring stories from people who faced their own pro-life moments and experienced God's love. To learn more, go to FocusOnTheFamily.com slash SeizureMoment. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash SeizureMoment. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. John, that's the core of the book, this idea of the 60-60 experiment. So describe what that is, and let's talk about it. Well, let me tell you how I came to it, because just like anything else, many times it only comes through disappointment. Trying to get my deep longings met with a shallow strategy, and God using that to show me, how do I get what I really want? with connection to him. So when we planted Gateway Church, nothing went as planned. <laughs> and here's a disclaimer. Normally with the Lord, it doesn't work out the way you think it should. It's well, rare. Yeah, and, and we all know that, but when it actually hits, our response is different, right? Right. You know, so we were supposed to launch in the general cinema, movie theater. We had, you know, built this core group, raised money. We're, you know, we sent out, invitations and mailers and two weeks before general cinema los angeles calls me and says uh you can't do church in our movie theater it's bad for business so i go back to the guy in austin who signed the contract and you know well he wasn't supposed to sign the contract apparently i'm talking to lawyer friends i'm trying to figure out what to do we're gonna have a bunch of people show up in two weeks and no one we can't meet and um nothing worked and finally, in desperation, finally, <laughs> we call prayer meeting of our core group. Mm-hmm. And, and on my way out the door to this prayer meeting, the phone rings. This is back when phones rang, yeah. you know, and you had to go back and get them. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't put them in your <laughs> pocket. my cell phone. <laughs> and uh, it was a pastor friend in Cincinnati who had this prompting to get someone he had led to the Lord connected to our church who was moving to Austin. And I told him, well, I don't know we're going to have church. And I told him why. And he said, well, I think there's someone in my church who might know someone in the movie industry. You want me to talk to him? And I said, sure. I didn't think about it. Right. We go and we pray. The next week, I was like one desperate attempt. I go back to the movie house in Austin. And when I walked in, the guy goes, well, you guys have good connections. 
I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you haven't heard? He said, the president of General Cinema in New York called the Los Angeles office and said, work it out with the church in Austin. Oh. So you're good to go. <laughs> that was a good friend. Well, <laughs> it was God's prompting of my friend yeah. to call me. And he knew someone who knew some, who knew the president. Now, I thought everything was going to go great. Six months later, because, hey, God worked it out, yeah, right? Yeah. But then six months later, we get kicked out. And then we had to move to six different locations during two years. Every time we moved, we lost people. We're reaching. Yeah. It was so frustrating. I'm like, Lord, what am I doing wrong? And I got to the end of myself in disappointment and frustration and frustration with God. Yeah. Because he's not doing his will the way he's supposed to. And look what I'm trying to do for I, you. Look what I'm doing for you. <laughs> look at all I've given for you. And in that, he started whispering something into my mind over and over when I would start complaining for about a year, but it was the same thing every time. Am I enough? Mm -hmm. Am I enough? And at first I was mad. I was like, what? I left my engineering career to follow you into ministry. I left that ministry to come plant a church to help reach people. What do you mean? Am I enough? Haven't I show? And then I realized, oh, I guess not. Because the truth is, if God, you know, loving God, loving my family, loving the people who are coming, and even with the difficulties that come, is not enough, God has to do things my way or I get mad and angry and frustrated with him. And so what I realized in this, and this is getting to the core of this whole 60-60 experiment in Soul Revolution, is... Jesus' prayer, what he taught us to pray is, your kingdom come, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because God's will mostly is not done on earth. Because we spend most of our time trying to get my will be done. And that sure. includes Christians and even pastors. And so I spent a whole year just practicing waking up every morning, surrendering my will, and trying to only do God's will during that day as best I understood it. Right. And it was amazing. Well, and that's the challenge you put in the book. So let's talk about 60-60. What, what are you challenging your readers to do? Yeah. So it came from that year of this experiment I did personally and the joy I started to feel, the peace I started to feel, a, a deeper love for my children. I mean, these things that I really wanted, it was amazing. And I'm mowing the yard one day and I have, I'm talking to the Lord about it. And I'm just saying, I wish the people in my church could understand how great this life is with you. And I had the thought, do an experiment for 60 days. You know, it takes time to change a habit. Right. 60 days, every 60 minutes, set your, your watch beeper to go off, set an alarm to go off or something to remind you, abide in me, remain in my love, as Jesus said in John 15, you know. And you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So just get them to try it for 60 days and see what happens. And we did the thousands of people have done this experiment and yeah. it's life changing. That's amazing. It's life changing. Yeah. But it's what Jesus said over and over. Right. Paul said it in Galatians chapter five, five sixteen. walk by the spirit and you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. 
You don't have to try to stop sinning or try to break that habit or this habit or that addiction. Just walk by the Spirit, and you won't do that. Instead, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kind, all that will start to grow. Yeah. Only one thing is necessary, Martha. Listen. It's, it's the one thing. So we have to learn to stay connected. So that's the experiment. And here's the whole idea. We're all in the habit. I mean, just think about it. When you wake up on the typical day, how much time do you spend making your plans and thinking about how to get them done versus, Lord, what are you doing and what do you want me to do in each thought, in each moment, in each decision with, with my coworkers, with my children? And do we realize how much God loves us and is always with us and actually wants to guide us? That's what Jesus said in John 16. I'm going to send my spirit. He will always be with you and he will lead you into truth. Yeah. He'll lead you in the way of truth. You know, John, in that regard, uh, some people that might read the scripture says, you know, pray unceasingly. And you go, seriously, how do you even do that? Mm. How do you, you know, you, you got to go to the, do your banking. You got to work. How do you pray unceasingly? Like you're constantly in a state of prayer. Mm. It has that feel to it. Like, man, it, it sounds impossible to do every hour, every 60 minutes. But yeah, people, really, John? I mean, really? And that's what I like to say is that's not what we're doing. We're not trying to beat the Muslims in, instead of five times of prayer a day, we're going to do 12. Right. That's not it. That's not it. It is learning to do life with this God who wants to do life with us, who truly loves us more than we can possibly imagine. And God is so good. I mean, this, this is the thing is we've got to realize how much he loves us. In fact, one little experiment I've asked people to do sometimes is to realize that all love we experience is borrowed love. You know, mm -hmm. the, this hit me one time when my children were little. And you know, when your children are little, they're so cute. They're so wonderful. But they're cuter when they're sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Not always. Those little cute yeah. pies. Well, and, you know, they're just, they're just there and there's a little angelic face sleeping. And one night, I was just watching my, my daughter sleep mm -hmm. and just praying over her. And I just had this overwhelming sense of love for her, you know, just right. overwhelming. And in that moment, I heard the whisper of God say, I love you more. And it, it shocked me. Right. I mean, it wasn't audible. It was right. just a thought. It came out of left field. Came out of left yeah. field. I know the feeling. But <laughs> then I, as I started to ponder it, you know, the Bible tells us God is love. There is no love apart from him, which means that all the love I've ever felt or given is just borrowed love. And he loves me more. And he loves you more. Whoever, whoever you are, whatever you've done, it doesn't matter. He loves you more than you love your children, your spouse, more than you've experienced love from your grandparents, your parents. It's all borrowed love. Yeah, it's so good. And the point of that is unless we realize who God is and that because of what he's done for us in Christ, he did that so we will walk with him. He didn't do that just to get us into heaven one day. And believe me, I wrote about heaven. I, I, I know about that, <laughs> right? That's not why. He wants us to do life with him in, in this loving relationship. That's what Jesus was trying to get across in John 15. Yeah. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
right? Yeah. And no greater love than to lay down his life and abide, he said, in that love. And you will abide in my love when you obey me, when you obey my commands, when you do what I, what I say. When you listen. Listen <laughs> yeah, and respond. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's the 60-60 experiment. Yeah. So what I say is, it's not stopping every 60 minutes to pray. It's not that. If you do that, it's good. It's just totally missing it. <laughs> what it actually is, is it's trying to reorient ourselves from a habit of ignoring God most of the day to realizing that God is with us all through the day and loves us and actually wants to guide and help us. Yeah. And I think what, what helps people is realizing it's not changing your life, it's reorienting your life. So in other words, you don't have to change necessarily anything you're doing, but do it with the Lord. Think about it this way. You're already going through life talking to yourself anyway. Okay, what am I going to do now? Oh, why did that person do that? Oh, wait, no, 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 no. You've got this constant conversation in your head between you and yourself. Just let God in. Hmm. He already knows. (laughs) There's nothing we can hide from him. So just let him in. Understand that he is kind and merciful. He's not condemning. There's no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. That's grace. And it's amazing how you start to see God show up. And who doesn't want that? I mean, that yeah. that ideally is exactly the way we should live our lives and as, as believers, you know, leaning into God. Uh, this is a great place to stop. And uh, I do want to come back next time and keep the discussion going, dig a little deeper and what a wonderful resource, mm-hmm. uh, Soul Revolution, the 60-60 experiment. And uh, you've heard kind of the tip of the iceberg. And I hope you'll contact us to get a copy of John's book. And, man, we'll make it easy for you. Just make a gift of any amount. We'll send it as our way of saying thank you for getting involved and being part of the ministry to help others. If you can't afford it, that's okay. We'll trust others. We'll cover it. So. Uh, just get in touch with us. If you're saying, man, there's a lot in here that I'm dealing with and you need to talk to somebody, we have caring Christian counselors mm-hmm. who can help you uh, digest some of what we have talked about today and hopefully uh, steer you either in a relationship with Jesus for the first time or to deepen it. And if we can do that, man, we have really hit our goal of helping you. Yeah, we're a phone call away. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800 232 6459 or stop by slash broadcast for all the details. John, uh, let's do that. Let's continue next time and, and go a little deeper with this great content from Soul Revolution. Can you do it? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, we'll hope you'll join us next time as we continue the conversation with John Berg. For now, on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. Are you remarried? Over 40% of couples are. If you have a blended family, you know how complex it can be, especially when it comes to estate planning. Ensuring that you're honoring your new spouse and all kids is essential. 
If you need help preparing a will for your blended family but don't know where to start, Focus on the Family can help. Download our resource, 16 Questions to Ask If You Have a Blended Family. It's our gift to you at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash BlendedFamilyEbook. A branch doesn't have to work hard to produce fruit. All it has to do is stay connected to the trunk, the vine, and fruit happens naturally. Mm. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Stay connected to me and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the whole point that I'm trying to get across in Soul Revolution. Mm. That actually, all we have to do is learn to stay connected moment by moment to God's Spirit and the rest of the things take care of themselves. That's John Burke, and he's with us once again today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I'm so excited to have John Burke back with us. Uh, He's been here a number of times, but last time we talked about how we can trust God with our hopes and our dreams, and really our deepest longings are found in Jesus. And when we can understand that, it changes our life. Mm -hmm. And John gave us some ideas on reorienting our minds and connecting with God so that we can be in tune with the things uh, he desires for us, the good gift giver, if I can mm. say it that way. If you missed any part of it, man, get to the website, download it, uh, get the smartphone app. You can listen that way. But today we're going to dive a little deeper into that content uh, based on his book, Soul Revolution. And John Burke is the pastor and founder of Gateway Church in Austin, Texas. Uh, he and his wife, Kathy, have have an adult son and an adult daughter, and his book, Soul Revolution, How Imperfect People Became All God Intended, is indeed uh, the foundation for our conversation. Call us to get your copy, 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. John, welcome back. Oh, great to be back. <laughs> it's good to see you. And um, let's pick up from last time you talked about the 60-60 experiment. So for those that didn't hear it, give us a quick briefing on what the 60-60 experiment's all about. Yeah, so the context, like we talked about last time, is that we all have deep longings, we have hopes, we have dreams. They're not bad, but oftentimes we settle for too little. Hmm. And God actually wants to give us the deepest longings of our hearts, the love and the joy and the peace and patience and kindness, all these things that things from out there can't give us. But it only comes from intimate relationship with God. And in fact, that's what we were created for. Yeah. We weren't created to do life apart from the very source of life and love and goodness. Mm. He created us for that. So... The Christian walk really is simple. And Jesus said this is last night on earth in John 15, 5. He said, look, I'm the vine, like I'm the trunk of the tree, you know, the vine. Uh, You're the branches. Stay connected to me and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So for 60 days, you set a beeper to go off, your alarm on your smartphone, or we have an app that that does it, that'll ding your phone and bring up a a verse reminding you of how to stay connected or what God wants in this relationship. Or maybe you just put sticky notes in your car and on your computer, just as a reminder. And what you're trying to do is change your habit from going through the hours of the day, the moments of the day, forgetting about God, who's there with you. Or distracted. Or distracted. Yeah. Or not listening. 
right. and responding. John, let me ask you this. As a pastor, I'm sure you have counseled many, many people that fit this description. But I want to really speak to that person that this is true of, and that is the person that's trying to satisfy longings that are artificial. Uh, it might be success, money, houses, cars, relationship, you know, the beautiful wife, whatever. And how when they reach it, how uh, it doesn't meet the need. And speak to that individual. And even in the church, you know, someone who's made a commitment to Christ, it's sometimes hard to shake those habits of what you're actually going after and how to get better oriented around exactly what you're saying, opening your heart so the Lord can help meet the deeper longings of your life. I mean, some people might not even know what those longings are. That's how distracted they can be. Yeah, and I think the other part is um, we don't stay connected to the Lord because we fear that if I do, he's going to fill in the blank. Huh. So this was my old fear, right? I was an engineer. Um, I had a, a dream and a goal to start my own, get an MBA, start my own company, be rich and successful. Because that was what I was trained is success. Sure. Okay. Well, then my dad did that, but it killed him. Huh. He died. He died from cancer, but he also struggled with alcoholism. Just overworked. He struggled with stress. He had ulcers. Mm -hmm. he, and on his deathbed, he said to me, John, I'd give it all back if I could just have my health and my family. Mm. He knew the Lord, but he didn't know how to walk with the Lord. Abide in him. He didn't know how to abide, how to stay connected. And as a result, there were a lot of wounds. Um, you know, his father abandoned their family. He was abusive. There was just a lot of wounds from the past my dad had never worked through. And I mean, I didn't realize this. And this is the thing. Our deepest longings are really trying to answer a few questions. Am I lovable or am I loved? And do I have worth? Do I have value? Do mm. I have purpose? And really, we're trying to get those questions answered. The shallow strategies oftentimes are like, we're trained or we come up with an idea that if I'm successful, if I have a husband who looks like this or is this status, or if I have a wife who, you know, looks like this or does or kids or, you know, you can fill it in with a thousand things. Sure. Um, but those end up subtly becoming idols. In other words, they become the singular most important thing and they distract us, just like you were saying, from the one thing that Jesus said is necessary, right? And that is relationship with the Lord, walking moment by moment with the Lord. Yeah. And so it, I think the thing I would say is don't worry about changing all your dreams. They're bad or your hopes are bad. They're not necessarily right. at all. Focus on walking day by day for 60 days. And just see if you don't end up going, oh my gosh, this way of doing life with God is so much better. Yeah. You had a story in the book about going skiing with your college buddies and you encountered uh, what sounded like, um, you know, ski bunnies. Who, <laughs> what happened in that story and what was the outcome? Yeah. So and what state were you in? Colorado? Colorado. Okay, good. Crested Butte, okay. to be specific. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. It's a great ski spot. Yeah, it's a great ski spot. And um, yeah, so we were single, college, met, met these three girls, and, you know, we were trying to 
show off and Texans. Yeah, and Texans. <laughs> and uh, if you don't know, Coloradans have a love-hate relationship with Texans. Mm. <laughs> but they love Texans who they think love... they can ski really well. Yeah, and so we didn't know, but these girls were like leading us into the trap, right? And okay. so they're like, okay, you can ski, let's go skiing. So they take us up to the backside and it's this big bowl, probably two feet of powder, three feet of powder. Crazy. 70 degree. I mean, it was, it looked like a straight down drop. So they said to me, you can't fear. You just have to, you have to go like you're falling down the mountain, plunge, and then use the speed to control your speed. So I start, but I'm terrified. So I lean back. Well, that's the worst thing you yeah, can do. Boom. And I, I, you know, I snowball for 200 yards. Yeah. She comes back and she's like, no, <laughs> if you give in to fear, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to do this. You have to like throw yourself down the mountain and then you'll be able to control your speed. It seemed counterintuitive. Right. I'd be right with you. But I did way. it. Yeah. I did it that time. I leaned down. I leaned down the mountain and I didn't fight the speed and I started to then turn and it was the most fun I've ever had. It was a thrill. Uh, mm. This 60-60 experiment, doing life moment by moment with Jesus is the same. So here's what I challenge people to do. For 60 days, you have to go all out in complete willingness to do in. his will. Yeah. But I'm telling you, after watching thousands of people do this experiment for 60 days, nobody ever says who, who goes all out, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Hmm. Nobody. It's always. Well, that's oh, a good guarantee. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. God is real. He loves me and cares about me. I couldn't believe the things I experienced, the way God showed up, the way he led me, the joy, the peace. And the way he takes care of the and little things yeah. when I just focus on the one thing Jesus said is most important. Abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, nothing. John, that is so good. Uh, in the book, you share how you responded at a crucial time when a friend of yours, Jerry, really needed you. How did God work in that situation? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't reconciliation. It's a good, this story is a good reminder. So we have to learn to listen to these little promptings. So that's what happened with Jerry, I'm sitting there doing emails one day and, um, no, actually I was working on a message and I was on a deadline and I have this thought go into my head. I wonder where Jerry is. Jerry was not a Christian. He and his girlfriend had started coming to our church and I hadn't seen him in a while. And I don't know why I had that thought. Oh. And I thought, why did I think that, Lord? And then I was like, I'm busy. And I got it. so I go back to writing my message, and I have the thought again. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, email Jerry. And it's like, I don't, I don't even know if I had Jerry's email, and I don't have time to do this, but I'll email Jerry. So I emailed Jerry. Hey, Jerry, haven't seen you in a while. Hope you're okay. Just was thinking about you. Stopped and prayed for you. Let me know if I can do anything for you. Shot it off. Well, the next day, his girlfriend... Um, who Jerry lived with, got that as she had just taken him home from the hospital, having tried to commit suicide the day I wrote that email. Mm -hmm. The day the Lord was nudging The day me. the Lord nudged me. Yeah, amazing. She saw it as an act of God. They came in and he unloaded all the guilt and burden that he's carried because basically he 
he started dating his brother's girlfriend. It tore their relationship apart because his brother was in love and, and he felt incredible guilt. And it just drove him. And he didn't know the forgiveness of the Lord. Right. So I shared the gospel with him. He came to Christ. Huh. The Lord turned his life around. It was yeah. amazing because of one little prompting thought. Yeah. Think of that. And that's the adventure we get to go on with the Lord. Mm. Well, we're inviting you to go on a journey with God and to be used by him, as John was just describing. Uh, the book that we're talking about today on Focus on the Family is written by John Burke. It's called Soul Revolution, How Imperfect People Become All God Intended. And uh, we're making that available to you. Just give us a call, 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Oh, hey, Mike. Got here as soon as I could. What's going on, man? Hey, I just wanted to give you an update on my marriage. Is it good news? Yeah. Our marriage is going great right now. I couldn't be happier. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. It's like a solid 5 out of 10. <laughs> Having a marriage that's just okay isn't where couples really want to live. Give yourself and your spouse an all-inclusive weekend where you'll slow your pace and focus on each other. Get more details at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash getaway. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash getaway. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. John, that can be one of the big barriers is moving toward people with the right attitude. You're in the 60-60 experiment. You're asking the Lord every 60 minutes, okay, Lord, what, checking in, where do I need to go? And boom, that thought hits you. Contact so-and-so. Okay, well, I'm not sure if that's the Lord, but in faith, I'm going to make that happen. And, you know, these could be relationships that have historic conflict in mm -hmm. them or something. So kind of bundling those thoughts together, um, the concept of moving toward people for some can oh, be yeah. really intimidating. Well, and it can be past conflict or it could be present conflict. Or just right? fear. Yeah. And one of the things um, in the book I, I talk about um, using the Lord's Prayer as a model. Yeah, let's talk about um, that. Well, and it leads in because, again, it's not being formal. It's just realizing the Lord's Prayer is really a, a model. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. In other words, you're greater than I can possibly imagine, better than I can possibly imagine. I'm going to trust you. That's the, the sentiment. And then the second, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, that's a prayer. Now, Jesus taught us to pray that because God's will is not done mostly on earth. This is what we're trying to do in the 60-60 experiment mm. is change it from the way we typically will things to be done and allow God's will to actually work in us. Now, here's the thing. Love requires willingness and free will. And so God doesn't force himself on us. Many times he waits for our willingness and so the responding in obedience, the radical response in those moments throughout the day, it does require humbling ourselves in trust. I think about my own personal experience when our kids were little. We were in the middle as a church of doing the 60-60 experiment. So my watch was going off, you know, beeping every, every 60 minutes to remind me to stay connected each, each moment of the day. We go down to the beach, and um, the kids are little. We stay up late swimming. Uh, we get up the next morning, 
And I had this plan in my head of how the day was going to go. We had to get back. It was Sunday. So we would get up, you know, get ready. We'd be out on the beach by 10. We would enjoy, you know, the afternoon. We'd hit the road by, by two because we had to get back and get ready for school and everything else. And it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, but now it's noon. It's two hours past plan. Right. Time to go. I.e. my will be done. So anyway, um, my wife finally confronted me. She said, you're being so impatient. Well, I was like, what? Don't you realize how patient (laughs) I've been for two hours? You've not noticed? (laughs) Yes. And... uh, and it just, you know, so then we started getting in. We were all in. Yeah. And right as we're in the middle of it, what do you think happened? The stinking beeper goes off on my watch. <laughs> the 6060. The 6060. And I'm not kidding. In my mind, I said, sorry, Lord, can't connect right now. I'm busy. Yeah, not this time. <laughs> and I certainly don't want accountability. I do not want. And, and that is exactly what happens, right? Yeah. And what I realized is in that moment, it was like my wound, my pride, my way, it was blocking my spirit from even wanting to consider what the Lord wanted. His mm-hmm. will be done. Right? Yeah. And I literally had to, and, and it was only because this verse from scripture kept coming to my mind. Again, I think it was the Lord's prompting. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up. Yeah, I kept hearing that, and I was like, "Ah, should have never memorized that scripture." <laughs> <laughs> they always come back to bite us. <laughs> yeah, but, but I went for a walk, and I just calmed down, and and I was able to say, and sometimes this is what you have to say, "Lord, I can't do it for them, but I'll do it for you." Mm, that's good. That's obedience. That's abide in my love. And how do you abide in my love? You know how much God loves us a depth that we can't fathom how high, how low, how wide, how deep. But we only have one thing to offer him in love, our will, in any one moment. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I'll do it as an act of love for you. And I went back and I apologized. Even though I wasn't wrong, they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I could see it went deep. <laughs> Still got to go through forgiveness. There, <laughs> yeah, don't right. No, but that is the reality. Yeah. So that's your kingdom come, your will be done. And what we're doing in these moments throughout the day in the 6060 is we're changing our habit yeah. of just letting our pride and our will be done. And we're, we're actually following his and we're seeing it's better. It was better. We went out and had a great day the rest of the day. So you did have resolution. They apologized too once I led. Hmm. But leadership often requires humbling yourself, right? Yeah, and I think in that 60-60 experiment, one of the things is just getting to know the voice of the Lord. Um, And it doesn't need to be a shameful thing or an embarrassing thing. If you haven't practiced this, it it takes a little time to say, okay, is that just me thinking that or is that really the Holy Spirit nudging me? In fact, you had a story in the book about Kathy. You guys, I think we're in Russia. Oh, yeah. And something at a nice restaurant occurred or yeah. something. So fill so, in the blanks. Well, we were living in post-communist Russia. So uh, it was right after the fall of the Soviet Union. Um, we moved to Leningrad. We left St. Petersburg, same city. We were there when it, yeah, when it changed. They changed names. Yeah. But during that time, it was hyperinflation, um, just horrible economic crash. Yeah. So anyway, um, 
we were at a Christmas break out in Switzerland uh, for a conference. So we're having this, we go to this really nice restaurant, steakhouse in Switzerland, just loving it. And my wife couldn't eat. She has a huge mercy gift. Right. That's not my problem. Right, right, right. <laughs> but you married opposites. <laughs> yes. She helps me. She helps me with the Lord's heart for people. And uh, and so she couldn't eat. And I'm like, why aren't you eating? She goes, I just, I can't eat this beautiful meal knowing some of our Russian friends, the parents in married student housing can't even get milk for their kids. We've got to do something to help them. Uh-huh. And so we stopped and we prayed around the meal. And we just said, Lord, if this prompting that Kathy's feeling, we're all feeling, we were all right. like, God, are we supposed to do something? Then tell us, show us. Yeah. And we spent the rest of the night brainstorming, well, maybe we could find trucks in Finland and we could truck food in from Finland. We can raise money from churches in the United States. We started to develop this plan. Well, we get back that next week to our flat. We lived in a Russian flat apartment and um, there was a, a phone message waiting for us and we call and it was an organization that had a C-110 military transport plane flying in a whole cargo load of food enough to feed 2,000 families for three months. Their contact had turned out to be mafia. They heard we were Americans living there. Is there any way we could possibly help them distribute the food? (laughs) It's crazy. 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 My goodness. And so we ended up being able to not only, you know, meet the needs physically, but um, we were able to share Christ with all of them and tell them about the God who cares about their needs, physical and spiritual. It was amazing. But again, this is the adventure God wants to lead us on. And sometimes it's amazing like that. Like he wants to do something through us, but we have to be willing to just seek his will and then willing to act. Sometimes it's real simple. Yeah. And I I like that through both days, you've talked about that, keeping things simple, that the gospel is simple. Um, It's not easy. No, but it's the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing, but it is simple. That's why the 60-60 experiment is for 60 days, we're trying to reorient our habit of not doing this one thing Jesus said is necessary. Yeah. Getting distracted by everything else. Everything else. And I think that's where I want to end with this last question. That person, maybe they don't even feel worthy. That's so much the guilt that the enemy lays on our heart that, you know, we we couldn't possibly be noticed by God because we're so unworthy. Yeah. Think of the things that you've done and the way that you've acted and the thoughts that you've had. And right. I'm trying to hit all the checklists Or still here. have. Or still have. Or struggle with. But the Lord's good with all that. He just wants that relationship. And those things will take care care of themselves when you stay grafted into the vine. That's Absolutely. the point. And so speak to that person that continually has that loop playing in their head and they don't know that they can get out of the rut. That's a lie from the enemy of your soul trying to keep you in the trap he's got you in, which is if, and I, you know, I've struggled with my own uh, sin patterns and even addictions in my past mm-hmm. um, as I was coming to faith in Christ. And I remember that. I remember what would happen is I would I would want to do well and I would try and then I would fail and then I would hear in my head, man, you're disgusting. God is so, he's so displeasing you. He didn't want to hear from you until you can clean up your act. Right. So you know what I'd do? I'd stay away from God. The only one 
who, as I abide, can produce the fruit in my life. Right. So you see, the, the irony is when we try to do it without God, we stay stuck. Right. And that is the evil one's intent. He lies to you about that. So if you're feeling that, memorize what I memorized. Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? It's pretty straightforward. No condemnation. So if, if you fall, if you do wrong, you know, just like in the Lord's Prayer, you know, he said, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. He already has paid for it. Jesus already saw and paid for that sin 2,000 years ago, which means he already knows the ones you haven't even done yet. Mm -hmm. And he paid for those too. And why did he do that? Not so we'll keep doing it, so that we won't stay disconnected from the very source of love and life and the meeting of our deepest longings and the leading us on this healing journey, this adventure of life. There's nothing better. And all you have to do is stay focused on one thing. Stay connected to him. The fruit happens naturally. Yeah, and that is so good. And John, what a place to end. That's the challenge. I'd say take it. Do the 60-60 experiment. Get a copy of the book, Soul Revolution. Get it right here from Focus because all the dollars go right back into ministry. So that's helpful. They're not paying shareholders. And uh, and why not take the challenge if you want that deeper relationship with the Lord? Or maybe you don't have that relationship with the Lord. Call us. Talk to a Christian counselor here at Focus on the Family. They will walk you through that and help you better understand what it means to be committed to Christ. And John, this has been so good. I hope, literally, we're probably talking to three, four million people the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. I hope a lot of them will take the challenge, especially if they haven't lived in that abiding that you've talked about. Well, and I would say, if you've never gone all out for 60 days trying it, I can just guarantee at the end of the 60 days you'll go, this is the best thing I've ever done. Right. And I'd love to hear those stories. You know, when those things happen, man, shoot us a note. Let us know how God is speaking to your heart in that 60-day trial and beyond. Well, this is a grand invitation to a great journey, and we invite you to get in touch with us to get a copy of John's book, Soul Revolution. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And this reminder that we're a listener-supported ministry, and your donation will help us become even more effective at reaching literally around the world and encouraging families. Um, donate today uh, a gift of any amount, and we'll say thank you by sending a copy of John Burke's excellent book, Soul Revolution. You can do that when you call us or uh, stop by the website. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. Christ.